guitar. <laughs> no fear. No political correctness. No wokeism. You're listening to Underground USA. Thank you for downloading and listening. My name is Frank Salvato, and you're listening to Underground USA. Before we get to this morning's segment on the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce, I wanted to expound a little bit on something we talked about in the podcast this morning on the radio show, and that is we need to understand that everything that we consume, everything that we buy when we go to the store, regardless of whether it's food, whether it's product of another nature, it's brought to us by a truck. Trucks are essential. They go from point A to point B to point C to the end point. From the farm to the table, from the manufacturer to your house. So whenever the government at whatever level, whether it's the federal government, state government, county government, township government, whenever they impose a tax on a trucker, whenever they impose a fee on a trucker, whenever they require more hoops to jump through, they're raising the cost of what you're consuming. And they normally tag these tax increases onto other bills that do not represent the fact that they're raising taxes on the truckers. It'll be tagged onto a defense bill, be tagged onto a health care bill, be tagged onto an education bill. But no one ever comes out and says, hey, we're going to legislate a bill that raises the fees on truckers or causes diesel to to cost more. No one would vote for it. It would be political suicide. When we talked this morning about this issue, I bring up a solution to this. And it's something that's in the book Nullification, my new book out on Amazon. You can get it in Kindle version or you can get it in paperback. I hope you get it in paperback so you can send it on to your elected officials and say, why aren't you following this blueprint? But I wanted to touch on that sneaky thing that the politicians do to raise prices to impose taxes on all of us by third-party means. Right now, this morning's segment on the Captain's America Third Watch with Matt Bruce. Frank, before uh, you came in here, we were talking about the price of fuel and how it's gone up and talking about diesel that had been brought up earlier. And, of course, diesel costs less to produce. We've got trucker Steve down in Sarasota wants to explain how the taxes work because uh, they've changed the, <laughs> they've changed the methodology involving the taxes to make diesel more expensive than gas. And trucker Steve, good morning to you, sir. Yes, how you doing? Good morning to everyone. Yes. Uh, what I'd like to bring up is, you know, I've been a truck driver my whole life, and I can remember when diesel used to always be cheaper than than car fuel and uh, gasoline. Right. Uh, and and what happened is the government could see how much money they could make off of it, so they they raised the taxes per gallon, and and the federal government makes over a dollar a gallon on that, and then the state makes over fifty cents a gallon. So that brings the fuel prices up along with it. And then you got to remember how many trucks are on the road. And each year you have to pay a highway use tax, which yep. is usually due in August. And that's usually $500 per truck. Mm-hmm. So, you know, imagine the millions of dollars 
you know, millions of trucks that are on the road and how much they make on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I can remember, you know, Georgia used to be one of the cheapest states to buy fuel. Georgia and Missouri, we would always buy the fuel there because right. it was always cheaper than, than anywhere else, but not anymore uh, just because of the way they, they've raised taxes on that. Mm-hmm. Well, people are getting screwed, blued, and tattooed every time you turn around. And what people don't understand is everything you got, I don't care what, showed up being delivered by a truck, a diesel truck. Absolutely. Yep. And when they talk thank about you, sir. Yeah, thank you, Steve. Appreciate the call. Let's, he, uh-huh, he, I'll let you go. Thank you. All right. Thank you. And uh, Frank, you know, uh, people need to understand that electric isn't the answer. Well, and uh, if you want to pull back to 30,000 feet, uh, picking winners and losers in the marketplace, the federal government and even the state governments, that's not the way to go either. Mm-hmm. You, you can't say that the fuel market, especially for, for truckers, when you're talking about diesel, is is uninterrupted by governmental touch. You know, when you can say a, a dollar a gallon is going to the federal government and they they tax them when it comes to uh, to road usage, and, and I'm going to bet there's about 50,000 other fees that the federal government wants truckers to pay. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about a job that may pay between eighty dollars and $120,000 a year on average, that, that doesn't come out to be eighty dollars to $120,000 after you take away taxes, right? whether it's income or whether it's, it's taxes you pay for business. Mm-hmm. So you want to know why the cost of things are going up? That's a major contribution to to the cost of everything. Sure. But they don't want that fossil fuel industry to survive. Mm-hmm. That's the most egregious point here. That's to your point. They want things switching to electric mm-hmm. because they've got their people in positions to make money off of the switch. Mm-hmm. So they demonize the fossil fuel industry, tell you how fantastic electric everything is, but how can it be when you're coming from a from a product distribution point of view when you could only have a battery life of what? How many miles? Well, Kyle, I'm going to throw it to you, and then I'm going to throw it back to Frank. But the special counsel, Jack Smith, uh, indicted a third person in Trump's classified docs case after they, in fact, uh, said that they were going to throw an extra charge or two at Donald Trump. Uh, Mar-a-Lago's head of maintenance, Carlos de Oliveira, has been indicted as part of Special Counsel Jack Smith's investigation. So, Kyle, back to you, and then back to Frank. Well, I think this is a very, obviously, a, a major development, because now this throws something all new into the mix, and that is the idea of obstruction of justice or destruction of evidence. And certainly, they will be leaning on Mr. De Oliveira um, and presumably someone else named Trump employee number four, uh, perhaps, uh, in order to try to build more of their case. And so we'll see how this goes, but obviously, um, uh, President Trump is going to is going to react to this. I think much the same way he's reacted to everything that this is somehow just making him stronger. Frank, well, this is if you've ever dealt with the uh, with the Department of Justice or anybody from the uh, from the from the DOJ, you understand this is a squeeze tactic. They go after the people surrounding you, especially lower level people who have everything to lose. And they start rolling over people. You've, they depict it sometimes on television shows about how high pressure the federal government can be when they want an answer. And they don't stop until they get it. This is what happens. They threaten people's 
freedom. And they say, we'll make a deal if you roll. And that's what's happening here. They're going to get the answer they want sooner or later because they're looking for the weakest link. Doesn't mean it's going to be the truth. It doesn't mean it's going to be based on fact. But they're going to find the person that's going to roll, and then they're going to use it. This is what happens when you have a corrupt Department of Justice. Elections matter. I don't know how many times that we're going to have to say that Mm -hmm. uh, in in this two years, but elections matter. If, in fact, we would have taken the Senate, you could have gotten rid of Merrick Garland with the snap of a finger. You bet. After you've realized that he's corrupt and he's politicized. That is a position that that should not be within the political realm. And and the fact that the entirety of the DOJ is politicized, and you and I have talked about this for many years, yep. started under the Clintons. They placed mid-level people who are now at the very top who owe their, their political lives to running interference for people who are doing some pretty shady stuff. Mm-hmm. So elections matter. And if you're going to fall for orange man bad or, hey, let's vote for Ross Perot because a third party is going to make a difference, not in this climate, it won't. Mm-mm. It will only take away from the change agent. Mm-hmm. So watch the DOJ do this. They're going to roll over it, and it's going to peak. Let me get out my crystal ball that's, that everyone can see through. It's going to peak right about the major part of the election season. Mm-hmm. And suddenly all the bad press is going to not be coming from Biden's political campaign because he won't have to spend money on it. It'll be coming from the political apparatus at the DOJ, which today is dirtier than a mud pit. Yep. Yep. And you're not alone. I mean, every every branch of uh, the Department of Defense, uh, Department of Education, uh, Department of Energy, Janet Grantham, by the way, she's got money in batteries of investment, which is why she's so up and up and up on the electric stuff. She's making money every time another car gets a battery put in it. With the, with the Biden administration, and quite frankly, it was true with the Obama administration, too, all the way back through the Clinton administration. Follow the money. Mm-hmm. There's someone making money when you have major change put forth by somebody who's in political power, whether it be electric vehicles, mm-hmm. or we need we need universal health insurance, or any of the other things that the Democrats push hard for, for government to facilitate, look who's making the money. But that requires you to pay attention. It requires you not to just feed off the information that you're getting on the first two paragraphs of anything and thinking you read the article. You've got to take the responsibility to understand what's going on seriously. Yeah. It can't just be reality TV. Yep. You know, uh, otherwise you're see, you've seated your government and you truly believe you've got no power, mm-hmm. but you've got power. Yep. You've got power. Yep. Kyle, what you got? Well, you know, of course, I, I appreciate what Frank is saying very, very much. Um, but what do you think, Frank, about now we're getting into these age ranges here? We've got Mitch McConnell. We've got Dianne Feinstein, Joe Biden. Even Donald Trump is 77. But at the very least, he doesn't seem to exhibit some of these traits that we're seeing with some of these other politicians that are in that age range. No, I'm against setting an age because the Constitution has set the criteria for whether or not you can be you can be president of the United States. There are qualifications in there. 
Now, who, who the candidates deliver them to for verification is up for question, you know, because there is nothing in the Constitution that says you have to, you have to prove, prove who you are, how old you are, citizenship, et cetera. And who do you give that to? Nobody knows. You give it to the political party. They just rubber stamp it, and there you go. That's got to change. We've got to have a constitutional amendment that says, by the way, you have to present this to, I don't know, the chief of the Supreme Court, if in fact, for validation. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how to go about bigger minds than that have to come up with a with an answer to that one. But we do have to have a verification process about that. But when you look at the voting population, why do they keep voting for people like Dianne Feinstein? Yeah. Why is Chuck Schumer still there? Why? Why is the you know the the median terms I believe is like like six or seven or eight terms mm-hmm. for for a congressman, and then when you get into senators, they get in they're in the five and six and seven terms. Why do you keep voting for them? Because they market themselves. Yep. Nobody can tell you, but you know, besides the people standing in front of the microphone, who voted for what? Because nobody takes the time to really know how their elected officials vote. Once they get to Washington, it's a different ballgame. They may have talked nice on the campaign trail, but it changes because the political parties have a vice grip hold on how things work in Washington, D.C. And watch the money. Watch the money they get. Absolutely watch the money. How do you become a multimillionaire when when your salary is like $95,000 a year? Handcrafted exotic blend teas at the lowest shipping cost anywhere. Hi, I'm CJ, owner of the Emerald Coast Tea Company. We ship our premium gourmet blends with Sindel, offering you the lowest shipping prices anywhere, while also being carbon neutral. Excellent tea at the right price. Check us out at www.emeraldcoastteacompany.com. Honey, this ain't your mom's tea. Who helped cause soaring gas prices? BlackRock. Who contributed to outrageous housing prices? BlackRock. BlackRock and Larry Fink spent years harassing oil and gas companies, making them divest from fossil fuels. Now you feel the pain. And BlackRock-owned companies are snatching up houses, crippling families. Now BlackRock's former ESG czar Brian Deese is Biden's economic advisor, crushing America from within. That's what BlackRock is really about. News, insight, passion. AM 930, The Answer. You know, in talking about the uh, price of diesel and how the taxes have uh, intertwined and driven uh, something that costs less to produce, and uh, talking about the senators and uh, Rand Paul and other people and whatnot, we need to start getting stand-alone legislation to where we vote on one thing and don't attach 96,000 things to the bill, right? Oh, that's the argument I make in one chapter in the book, in the book Nullification, where, where it presents some fixes to keep us from getting back into this quagmire again. Standalone legislation has been tried many different times across the country at the state level, and it works. Yep. 
in the in Illinois when it was a Republican state. That's not going back too far. That's mm-hmm. going back maybe twenty twenty five years when the legislature and the Senate and all the major offices in the in the executive were all Republican. The senator there, the the president of the Senate, Pete Phillip, who was a, a personal friend and a very good man, uh, instituted standalone legislation, and it kept politicians from getting things tucked in there mm-hmm. that they would never be able to pass on their own. This is how the taxes on fuel, especially diesel, have been allowed to to accrue to the level that they have today in state capitals and in the federal government because there are things that are attached to other bills that the bills have nothing bills that have nothing to do with fuel or infrastructure or energy or anything else. If a politician came out and said, I'm going, I'm standing here and my colleagues and I are are moving forward an effort to raise taxes on diesel fuel so truckers have to pay more for fuel. Anybody going to vote for that? No. <laughs> no. It's a, it's a losing proposition. Raise a gas tax? Yeah, we're going to do that today. Support me. No one's going to, it's political suicide. Mm-hmm. But if you're moving the defense bill, if you if you're trying to move uh, bills that are you know an omnibus spending package, and whenever you hear the word omnibus, the eyebrows should go up and the red flag should go. Okay, let's find out what's in it, because they attach eighty million things to these must-pass bills that would never fly if they had to do if they had to be challenged singularly, one at a time. Mm-hmm. Standalone legislation also slows down the governmental process, mm-hmm. which as a voter, you should want. Mm -hmm. It sheds the light of, hey, what are you doing Mm -hmm. on each and every bill and puts your elected official on record for each about how they voted. Mm -hmm. Kyle, what do you think, Kyle? Well, no, I I would like to see something like that happen. Of course, there's the horse trading that goes on, and, uh, you know, it's hard to imagine that that would be able to be done away with altogether. But but what Frank's talking about is that there is precedent for that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do have a quick question for Frank, and that is just recently, Frank, there was a Harvard professor and there was another, I think, political science uh, professor uh, that uh, basically said to the Biden administration, if you don't like what these, quote, MAGA justices do on the Supreme Court, the administration should lean to its own interpretation of some constitutional issue that the Supreme Court decides on if it's not to their liking. What do you what do you think? I mean, is this sowing more chaos or what's going on here? Well, of course it is. But this is this is what happens when you have three co-equal branches of government. What we've seen here is the encroachment of the executive branch upon both other branches, which is the reason that I wrote the book in the first place, was to make that process have a check and balance at the state level. When you have an executive that says, I don't really care what the Supreme Court says about this, my interpretation is this, that's not their purview. They don't have constitutional authority to have that kind of, well, you know, murder is is when you shoot somebody in the head, but eh, there's a couple different reasons why you should be able to shoot someone in the head, Mm. and we're going to lead towards that. We're just not going to prosecute them. When the Supreme Court says that's it, then that subject matter has to go through the process to get back to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. They're not suggestions. They're rulings. Right. And they have the last word 
where the interpretation of the Constitution is concerned. They do. That's why packing the court is a very scary idea, mm-hmm. because you just keep adding justices mm-hmm. until you get the answer you want. That puts the executive branch in control of the judicial branch. Okay, I got to call. separate anymore. I got a caller on the line. I want to try to get the caller in here. Good morning, caller. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, morning, Captain and crew there. Driver Mike down here in Sarasota. Hey, Driver. You might, uh, a few months ago, we talked about this between the fuel and electric. Yep. And I put a challenge out there. Anybody that's got solar on their roof, on their house or whatever, to take and call in and tell us how much you're saving. And guess what? Well, I ain't heard nobody yet. No, I haven't either. Few months. So that means people that listen to us, we ain't got solar and we're not going to use solar. Uh, I guess them lefties there, they just like solar. I don't know. But the challenge <laughs> still goes. If you got solar, call into the show and tell us uh, what it costs you, how much you're saving, and let us make up our own mind. Okay. Drive safe, people. Thank you very much, Driver Mike. And by the way, Driver Mike is right. And let me tell you something, Frank. In my neighborhood, a number of people have got solar panels on the roof of their homes. Not one person's told me they're saving money. Not one. It's not, The technology is not ready for prime time yet. It's just not I defy anybody who has a traditional home to say that they are not on the grid. If, if solar is so fantastic, then shut your power off at the street. Mm-hmm. You, sh- you shouldn't need it if it's a viable energy source. It's not. It contributes, but it's not worth the cost that it, that it provides to that. You're just paying the same amount of money and probably more if you, if you have a bad spate of weather because of that technology not being ready for prime time. Will it ever be ready for prime time? I hope so. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to see be a viable alternative for people, be wonderful. But it's not there yet. Mm. So until then, all of the above is the answer, if in fact you, you want to go that route. But don't blow sunshine at me and tell me that you could replace what we've, what we've built a country on with alternative energy right now, because you can't. Mm-hmm. You just can't. It's not ready. It's not efficient enough. It's not cost-effective enough. It doesn't keep the country moving the way it needs to move if we're going to compete in the world. Mm-hmm. And because China doesn't care about the environment, and they don't, they could just keep churning out what they need to get the energy through fossil fuels and pouring. The, they have no regulations about what's going into the air. Just from an air pollution standpoint, you can do everything to compensate for them over here, but you're going to put the United States back into the Stone Age. Right. Until until the biggest polluters care, the exercise is moot. Well, speaking of moot, the music's going to be coming up in my ear, and here it comes right now very softly. So, Frank, I look forward to talking to you on Monday. Have yourself a great weekend, and stay cool. Stay low, my friend. All righty. Frank Sobato, UndergroundUSA.com is a website. The book is Nullification. Go over there, check it out. If you like the podcast, please subscribe. Leave a rating and a comment if your platform lets you. Go on over to UndergroundUSA.com and sign up for the Substack. Comes straight to you. No censors. Very important going into 2024. And pick up your copy of Nullification, the case for decentralizing the federal government. It's available on Amazon.com, in Kindle, and in paperback. You're listening to Underground USA. My name is Frank Salvato. I'll be right back after this.
This podcast is a production of the Compass Point Group.